Bienvenidos and welcome to the Familia FFB podcast. I'm Jorge Georgi Martin, flying solo today. We had a little technical difficulty on the episode that uh, Hector and I recorded last night, so sorry we're coming a little bit late to you, but uh, we'll drop to episode number 39. Uh, we're still going to be doing the NFC East preview on this one. Uh, but first off, gracias for joining us. Como siempre es un placer. Estamos aquí a sus órdenes. Uh, check out our website at FamiliaFFB.com, as well as our social media channels, at FamiliaFFB on Twitter and Instagram, as well as our FamiliaFFB Facebook page. So we're going to go right into some chisme. Nick Chubb being evaluated for a possible concussion. That's uh, definitely something worrisome because Nick Chubb going at the end of first rounds, early second rounds of most uh, mock drafts, especially now that we're going to be drafting a little bit later, closer to the season because of uh, the pandemic. But... You know, Nick Chubb, he's a guy, 1,494 yards last year. He's a guy you don't want to be missing, see, have missed some time this year. So uh, we're going to be keeping an eye on this. Obviously, you know, put your orejas up for uh, Kareem Hunt because if for some reason Nick Chubb misses any time, Kareem Hunt becomes an incredibly valuable running back. You know, there's some injury bad news for the 49ers. You know, they got hit with that Debo Samuel injury early on uh, that he hopes to be ready for. Now it's Jalen Hurd, potential uh, torn ACL at Monday's practice. So, you know, Jalen Hurd got his rookie season messed up. I mean, it uh, basically didn't happen. He uh, was doing so well during training camp. Some people actually said he was playing better than even Debo Samuel and then all of a sudden he hurt his back missed the whole season so now his he was somebody that people were looking at going into the second season especially with Debo being uh injured early on so uh you know you feel bad for him this definitely raises the draft stake for Brandon Ayuk because he is healthy um so something to keep an eye on I mean there's some talk about Brandon Ayuk picking up the offense a little bit more quickly so he might have some early early opportunity to flash um, obviously there's guys like Dante Pettis there who might have another chance so uh, but really keeping an eye on this and uh, you know hoping for a speedy recovery from Jalen Hurd TJ Hawkinson you know said his ankle is still not 100% right and that to me is a big big red flag it's been what about nine months i think he had surgery toward the end of last season so nine ten months since he had surgery on that ankle that ended his season and uh still not quite a hundred percent this this is definitely worrisome and it's it's making me want to fade him i mean he's going in that area where mike gesicki and noah fant and johnny smith and uh chris herndon I may be looking at grabbing one of those guys instead of Hawkinson, uh, at least recommending it on our Familia FFP uh, content. So uh, something to keep in mind, I mean, TJ Hawkinson, you're definitely looking at the year two breakout for him. uh, I'm looking at this here. It's got me worried it might be year three for him. And uh, our last item, AJ Green tweaked his hamstring during practice. And, you know, it's... It's definitely concerning to see that happen. Uh, no me gusta. No me gusta nada because, you know, you look at him, he was looking healthy after missing the entire season last year, 29 regular season games over the last three years. He's such a dynamic player, such a wonderful player to watch uh, when he's at his best. But 
you know, you, you just wonder if that's going to happen. I mean, you're hoping for it. Uh, fingers crossed. You know, we'll light a veladora for him, but hopefully he gets back and he's healthy. Uh, and this is really is just something minor for him because uh, really this Bengals passing attack could be a lot better. It could be a sneaky good. I mean, I'm still, I'm still worried they're going to be growing pains for Joe Perot, but when it comes down to it, uh, there's going to be the ball is going to be flying a lot for that team, and, and you know if he's healthy, AJ Green's going to be the recipient of them. But it's just that big if uh, that you worry about. So hoping uh, you know so another thing we're going to keep an eye on because uh, you know he's going in the sixth round right now in a lot of drafts. So uh, he's somebody that could be a boom if he goes there. But if he's sixth round and he's not on the field, that just uh, that, that just hurts a lot. Um, so let's get into the NFC's preview. We're starting in the Dallas with the Cowboys. Uh, I mean, honestly, you know, the more I look at this team outside of Kansas City, I don't know if there might be a more dynamic offense, one with as many weapons. And really, you know, you look at them, they've got a new head coach, Mike McCarthy, uh, who definitely oversaw some uh, incredible passing attacks with Aaron Rodgers when they were together at Green Bay. But uh, there were, you know, some rumblings that maybe the game had passed him by. He definitely, uh, you know, spent his gap year uh, trying to become uh, more adept and more uh, enamored of analytics. So uh, he ended up getting the job down in Dallas, and he's got uh, all the weapons there. He's got a top-flight running back, Dak Prescott, who was QB2 last year. He's got, a, he's got a solid three-down workhorse Caballo running back in Ezekiel Elliott, who was RB3 last year. you got a pair of wide receivers who went over 1,000 yards, went over 1,100 yards, actually, in Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. you got a number three offensive line, according to Pro Football Focus. you got Kellen Moore coming back, who, uh, you know, he directed this offense last year as the offensive coordinator. You added one of the best rookie wide receivers in cd lamb out of oklahoma who is just uh you know he was a highlight reel waiting to happen and then you've got an underrated uh tight end in blake jarwin it, it i mean everything just looks in place for this team to go go back out there and you know it really starts with Dak prescott i mean four thousand nine hundred and two yards last year i mean he was just incredible he's, he's back for his fifth year i mean obviously his contract status because it's dallas is filled with intrigue and speculation uh, it's going to get taken care of don't worry about it worry about what he's doing on the field and what he's doing on the field he has just grown and grown into just a, a phenomenal player i mean based on any, based on his performance i mean He's just, you know, nothing short of fantastic. He's going to be pushing 5,000 yards again this year. I mean, he was second in the NFL last year uh, with 4,900. He threw 30 touchdowns. He likes to chuck it downfield. You know, he, he was throwing 12.6 yards per completion last year. I mean, he had six games where he threw at least three touchdowns. He was regular up uh, up around 300 yards. I mean, he's a guy who's locked and loaded in uh, two quarterback leagues. I mean, he's he's a guy who's going to be gone no later than the second round, maybe even at the tail end of the first when you've got Lamar Jackson and uh, and Patrick Mahomes going early. You know, you I mean, every everything looks looks good for him. I just I I you know, and on top of it, he's durable. He has not missed a game. He's played all 64 games in all four years. He's played in the playoff games. He, you know, everything. He's a great citizen. He, he's a worker. 
even and on the you know from the fantasy side he runs the ball he ran the ball 277 for 277 yards last year punched in three tds i think he's a lock again for pushing 5,000 yards 30 to 35 touchdowns and grabbing anywhere from three to five uh, uh rushing touchdowns because he's just got everything in place ezekiel elliott you know when you got him at running back I mean, he had his little, you know, Cabo San Lucas uh, holdout last year. And, you know, he's, just, he's another guy who proved that training camp doesn't really matter when, it, when you're a veteran. I mean, he had 301 carries. It was the third time in his career that he's gotten 300 or more carries. He got 1,357 rush yards, 12 TDs. And, you know, he's developed into a, into a weapon outside of the backfield. He had uh, over 70 catches in 2018. He had 54 last year for 420 yards. So, I mean, you're looking at a guy who is, you know, somewhere between 1,300 and 1,500 yards, maybe even it goes beyond that. With that offensive line, you're looking at him, you start having that, you start having to have that conversation of, is he the pick at number two instead of Saquon Barkley, who we're getting, getting into it, you know? Part of it has to be that brutal early season schedule that Saquon is gonna have. But, you know, you also look at the Cowboys line, the, the Giants line is not that great. The, you got the QB option with Prescott over an emerging Danny Dimes, uh, Daniel Jones. And then you got those great outside weapons. So Zeke is not going to have uh, any problem running. He's not going to have eight men in a box. So, you know, you look at him, he's a lock for 300 yards. You know, he's uh, he got 59 carries in the red zone last year, which led the NFL. He got 12, 12 of them he punched in his, uh, for touchdowns. I mean, you're looking at a guy who's uh, who's going to be getting 350, t- 350 plus touches, and you know he's just going to be one of the best ones. You're not going to go wrong grabbing him as your number uh, number two overall instead of Saquon. And so, you know, you you get him at number three. I mean, obviously, you, you know, you're uh, that you're picking that early in the draft. You better make sure that that guy gets gets through. But you know, again. Uh, as long as he's healthy, que sea sano y saludable, he's just a lock for, you know, 1,400 yards, you know, 50 to 60 receptions, 15 total TDs. You know, that's a pretty good return. You know, a lot of people are uh, talking up in this uh, uh, for late round flyers on Tony Pollard on the if possibility of Zeke gets hurt. You know, he's, you know, he's definitely a good guy to have. Uh, deep in your bench, definitely someone who's cuttable. If all of a sudden everything looks good for Zeke, but uh, you know, he you look at him, he's going to be a guy who gets you about a hundred total touches on the season. He's a, you know, n- nice little runner. I mean, he's no Zeke, who is just uh, I mean, he, Zeke is building on a Hall of Fame career. So, but Tony Pollard, uh, if you like to do handcuffs, I don't love to do handcuffs. I've gotten burned by it before. I would rather uh, pass on him, uh, maybe grab another receiver late in the draft, but, you know, not going to fault you for doing that if you do grab Pollard. Speaking of receivers, Amari Cooper going in at wide receiver nine uh, in third round. He is, when he's good, he's good. It is bueno. I mean, he had week five last year against the Packers. He caught 11 balls for 226 yards and a touchdown, but the consistency isn't always there with him because the next week he caught one ball for three yards the final numbers look incredible but then you look and see it's like it's some blow-up games here and there uh that where he's simply caliente but then 
you know, he has games where he disappears and, you know, he, injuries pile up with him. So you just don't know. You just don't know. I, he's a guy, I don't know if I'm going to be picking him a lot. He is, uh, the numbers look, the final numbers look great, but I just don't know if I'm going to be uh, grabbing him. One guy I am going to be looking at grabbing is Michael Gallup, uh, who is their wide receiver two. Uh, wide receiver 30 in uh, ADP right now. He, I like this guy a lot. I think he's an incredible value. Going in the seventh round, he missed two games last year, and he had almost the same number of receiving yards as Mari Cooper. You know, he's out of the slot, so maybe he's not as dynamic and he's not going to get as many uh, touchdowns as Cooper. But when you look at him, he's just consistent. You know, he gets 16.8 yards per reception last year. He's pushing 80 yards per game, which was number six. Uh, you know, and his average yards per target was 9.8. That tied him with Mike Evans, who's a deep ball threat. So you look at this guy. He is... Uh, a target monster. I mean, there's some people who are talking about the fact that CD Lamb may take some care, may take some uh, uh, targets away from him. I don't think so. I think CD Lamb's got his own uh, targets coming his way uh, that aren't going to touch the the 113 he had last year. I think Gallup, you know, he missed a couple games last year. I think he's a lock to go over and over 120 uh, touches this targets this year. So he's going to be uh, a guy I'm, I, I think is a big value pick in the seventh round. C.D. Lamb going in the ninth round as wide receiver 39. You know, he, he had such an incredible year at Oklahoma where he had been Marquise Brown's, uh, you know, uh, Robin to Marquise Brown's Batman. Uh, the previous year, but uh, this year, I mean, this past year, 62 receptions, 1,327 yards, 14 TDs. I mean, the guy was just a highlight reel last year. I mean, the one thing about him is uh, you, you, you look at him and uh, where is he going to get the targets? Well, I'm going to tell you where he's going to get the targets. When Randall Cobb, Jason Witten, and Tavon Austin left, they left behind 190 targets from last year. So who's going to be getting a good chunk of them? This guy. I mean, Randall Cobb got 83 uh, targets last year. I think that's a good number to start with for CeeDee Lamb, who, uh, you know, he might have a, a slow start. But really, I mean, he's not going to be seeing a top uh, DB with uh, when, he's going, when he's out on the field. Mike McCarthy definitely loves to use three wide receiver sets. You know, when he was at Green Bay, he was always one guy to do this. And, you know, with these three guys, with these three, you know, just dynamic receivers, why would he not go with the, you know, putting these guys on the field at once? So I think C.D. Lamb is definitely a good, uh, a, a good breakout candidate. Probably in the second half of the season, you know, just kind of like we looked at guys like D.K. Metcalf, A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, who really, really flashed in the second half last year. C.D. Lamb, I think, you know, look at him, grab him. In the, if you grab him in the ninth round, you know, that that's that's pretty good. That's when the w rookie wide receivers are going. Uh, there's there's some opportunity with those guys that, uh, that could be for breakouts. You know, and speaking of breakouts, Blake Jarwin. If I'm looking at a guy to be this year's Darren Waller, it's Blake Jarwin. I mean, you look at the, you know, Jarwin got 41 targets last year. He ended up with 31 catches, 365 yards, and three touchdowns. So with Jason Witten, ironically, going to the Raiders, leaving behind 83 targets, it, it, I think a good chunk of these are going to be going to Blake Jarwin. I mean, it's his fourth year in the league. 
He's taking over the starter's role. There's nobody who's uh, going to be competing with him. He, you know, last year his catch rate was 75.6. He's getting, you know, he's coming in at tight end 20 right now. I, I think that number's got to be up around 12. I, I like him a lot. I think he could end, has a good chance to end up in the top 10 among the tight ends this year. Uh, you know, he only saw three red zone targets last year while Witten got 13. I think, uh, I, I don't see there's any reason why he can't be in the teens and get, get a shot. Uh, early on, he's got a pretty good schedule. Uh, you know, the Rams, the Falcons, Seattle, Cleveland, the Giants, you know, they, they're, there's some soft, uh, pass defenses in there. He's, you know, you look at him, I mean, obviously Seattle got Jamal Adams, so that could give some problems, but really, I mean, I think there's there's a great opportunity because Blake Jarwin is not going to be getting double teamed out there like a Gronkowski did back in his day. So I'm looking at this, and I, I just think it's a great opportunity for great opportunity for him to take a next step up in his fourth year in the league. New York Giants are a team that is looking at uh, rebounding from, you know, a tough season last year. Uh, ended up, you know, last place in the in second to last place in this decision, division behind uh, just in front of Washington. But, you know, you, you look you look at them. There are some uh, I, I think there's some concerns here. I mean, a big part about it is the that I'll, you look at their early season schedule. They have got just some, you know, they've got a meat grinder right off, right off the bat. You got Pittsburgh, you're at Chicago, San Francisco, the Rams, and then at Dallas. I mean, those are some tough, tough games. And, you know, you look at, you start wondering, how is that going to uh, help Daniel Jones? It's not. I think it's going to be a hindrance to him. And I think that's why he's dropping a little bit. You know, a lot of people were uh, talking about Daniel Jones as a QB uh QB1, you know, getting picked in the top 12. He's now around number 17. There's a lot of hype around him. I think it's time to tap the brakes on him. I look at him, and there are some uh, warning signs with him. I mean, he had some beautiful games. Week 16, if he, if you started him in week 16, there's a good chance that you won your league. Uh, you know, he went 28, 28 uh, completions in 42 attempts, 352 yards, 5 TDs. Um you know he had uh, he had three games where he blew up with four or five TDs, but the the concerning part is he had no other games where he had more than two TDs, and that was with him uh, playing in 13 games. He has three really good receivers to choose from, but really the big thing is he needs to work on his turnovers. You know he had he fumbled the ball 18 times and then he had 12 interceptions. Obviously you know he talked about be you know uh, getting stronger, getting getting a little heavier so that could help him with the fumbles. Uh, hopefully the interceptions uh, come down a little bit, maybe you know in the single digits or maybe topping out at ten. Uh, the worry part is the offensive line. Uh, they were number they, they were you know in the bottom half last year. You know Pro Football Focus has them uh, at number twenty this year, and they did that those rankings before their left tackle Nate Solder opted out of the season. So. You're looking at uh, Andrew Thomas moving over from right tackle position, which is apparently the position he played while he was in college. So he's, uh, you look at him and you're, you know, moving to the left tackle side. I just, I, I worry if the line's going to be good enough to protect Daniel Jones. And I, I'm looking at him. My big worry part uh, with him is 
is he going to be this year's Baker Mayfield? Someone who's really hyped. And then if you look at Baker Mayfield's early season schedule, it was rough. It, it was a meat grinder, just like the one that Daniel Jones was coming in. And that kind of spiraled his season. Uh, obviously, the offense uh, had some, uh, you know, was, was not very good. You're hoping for better. I mean, obviously, this is a new coach here, a new head coach in Joe Judge, a new offensive coordinator in Jason Garrett. So... Uh, I'm worried that the first half of the season there's going to be growing pains. My recommendation with Daniel Jones, pick him as a part of a platoon. There will be some blow-up games, but you want to pick your spots with him and hope that you only have to start him against uh, the bad teams. Uh, you know, I touched on a little bit with uh, Saquon Barkley uh, in talking about Ezekiel Elliott. Really, outside of Christian McCaffrey, I think Barkley's the only guy who can really compare with him and compete with him for for that RB1 overall position. I mean, you look back at his 2018 season where he had 261 carries, 1,307 rush yards, and then he tacked on to it 91 receptions and 121 targets, 721 receiving yards, 15 total TDs. So you had over 2,000 yards from scrimmage for this guy. And just, I mean, you know, people compare him to uh, Barry Sanders. Uh, I like... Ladanian uh, Tomlinson more as a comp, uh, but I mean when you look at it, I mean Saquon Barkley, I mean he could turn nothing into a sixty-yard touchdown. I mean, he's just incredible. I just worry. To me, the only worry part is he, you know, is that questionable offensive line in the turf, tough early season schedule going to be uh, something that kind of slows him down at the beginning and makes uh, fantasy owners. You know, just really question whether they they took taking him number two overall. Uh, you know, he definitely uh, is not an. I don't think he's an injury risk. I mean, he definitely missed four games last year and really wasn't the same. I mean, he had a high ankle sprain. He said he was going to be back in three weeks. He was he was back in three weeks, but he was not the same. He had a game in there where he had 13 rushes for one yard, and it wasn't until you know the the playoff weeks uh you know you started week 13 if you started in week 13 you got a good game out of him week 15 he was money 24 carries 112 yards and two touchdowns week 16 if you played him in your fantasy championship if you paired him with uh, daniel jones i mean who you just you won you won in a runaway in week 16 it was 22 carries 189 rush yards four receptions for 90 yards two total tds i mean he is you know there's nothing not to like he was number eight in the nfl last year with 605 yards after contact maybe he's that kind of guy who can still excel with a tough offense line uh you know i think he is it's just you know do you still want to take him over zeke who's uh just as automatic and maybe has a little bit or you know easier path uh, you look at the receivers. You got some. You definitely got some talent. Guys who you know, a, a, a year two player in Darius Slayton, who was phenomenal against bad defenses against the New York Jets. He went for ten catches, 121 yards, and two touchdowns. You know, week 14 he against the Giants, five catches, 154 yards, two touchdowns. Those two touch. Those four touchdowns were half of his total of eight. Uh, he had some disappearing acts. He had a game of zero uh, yards, six yards, 13 yards. You know, you, you worry about him. 
if Daniel Jones struggles early on, is he going to be able to support even one of these talented receivers, much less three? Because you got Sterling Shepard, who uh, you know he missed week he missed week two and then week six to eleven with injuries. He still ended up with 576 uh, receiving yards on 57 receptions. The interesting thing is at the end of the season when Slayton was healthy. Uh, that that you looked at, uh, he ended up looking a lot in Sterling Shepard's way. Week 15, 11 targets, 109 receptions, 111 yards. You know, week 16, six receptions, 76 yards, one touchdown. Going in, you know, going into all this, uh, you know, earlier in the offseason, I was thinking Darius Slayton was the the play. You know, doing this research, I'm looking at Sterling Shepard as being the guy to, to come up. And then you still got Golden Tate, who's going at wide receiver 53 in the 13th round. He's age 32, missed four games because of suspension last year. But you also look at him as a guy who's going to get you some targets. You know, he had uh, 19 total targets in his last two games. So, you know, he ended up with 676 total yards in those 11 games. I mean, someone... You know, I, I think, honestly, I think there will be blow-up games, but I think when you look at these guys, uh, there's it, it's going to be pick and choose, and you're not going to be able to really know who's going to be the one who blows up. So uh, it might be time to be fading some of these receivers, especially in those early season matchups, because those are tough. Evan Ingram, you, you look at him, you love the talent love the talent you know last year you know he had seven games where he was targeted at least seven times you know and and uh you know in in seven of his eight games uh but there's the injury concerns you know he missed so obviously he missed eight games last year he missed another five the year before uh he had list frank surgery in in december that's usually a 12-month recovery is you know, is he going to be back and healthy? You know, he's starting to see, he's starting the training camp. He was not on the pup list. So that's some, that's definitely a good sign. But, you know, what I've uh, seen is that when it comes to Les Frank surgery, it's usually with, uh, from what I've, from what I've read and heard, it's usually about a 12 month recovery for him. So, you know, when the season starts, he'll be at about nine months for that point. Uh, I, I, with him, I think there's two strategies. If you draft him, you know you're going to have to be picking a backup, uh, a good backup, because you don't want to be playing the streaming game if he gets hurt five weeks, six weeks, eight weeks into the season, uh, or you just fade him at all. There definitely, there's definitely depth on uh, tight end. At least we say that every year. But uh, uh, I think uh, there are guys going after him. Uh, I'm targeting Mike Kosicki a lot, uh, Johnny Smith. Noah Fant is a guy who's uh, a, a, who could be a good pick. So yeah, I, I, that's why I'm kind of like, yo, yo lo veo, and I think uh, a lo mejor no. Maybe pass on him. Pass on him. Well, uh, speaking of passing, we're going to the Philadelphia Eagles right now. Uh, starting with Carson Wentz. You know, he had his first 16-game season. He was uh, he was wonderful. You know, he had 607 attempts. You know, he... he Completed about 64% of his uh, passes, over 4,000 yards, 27 to 7 touchdown to INT ratio. So he was, I mean, he he was good. He was efficient. He didn't turn the ball over. He even ran a little bit, 243 yards. Uh, the big question mark is what wide receiver is he going to be throwing to? 
He has a rookie and a bunch of guys who were hurt last year. It, uh, that, that's, uh, eso me hace cosa. That, that one's, that's a little scary. You know, kind of La Llorona scary when, when it comes down to it. The tight end group with Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, as good as it gets. As good as it gets. Those two, you know, there's a good chance that those two combine for 200 targets between the two of them. And it it's definitely warranted because they're both talented. Another guy to keep an eye on, uh, Miles Sanders out of the backfield. He's going to be a guy, he caught 50 balls last year and uh, didn't really, uh, wasn't the, the primary ball carrier out of the backfield until the second half of the season. So uh, really it could be the two tight ends, Miles Sanders and maybe uh, you know uh, Jalen Rieger being the top uh top pass catchers, top targets this year. But, you know, when it comes to Wentz, there are so many things to like. You know, he had five games with 300-plus yards. You know, we had four games with three touchdowns. You know, uh, his last last five games were great, you know, against low-level defenses. So he helped, he helped your teams. He had four game-winning drives this year. So his interception percentage was 1.2. You know, it, it just... Uh, you know, so many pluses. You just hope that he, you know, some of the wide receivers kind of rise up and and help him become a better better quarterback this year. Um, definitely, Miles Sanders is going to help him uh, coming out of the backfield, and everything is looking like he's the man. Deuce Staley, Doug Peterson, you know, his running back coach and head coach have both come out talking about the fact that Miles Sanders is the guy, which is a departure for Doug Peterson, who likes. The multiple quarterbacks back there but you look at you look at miles sanders and look at the second half that he had he had 113 carries 524 rush yards 31 to 30 he caught 31 to 39 targets 235 receiving yards four total touchdowns you double that and and then you take you add in a little bit of a progression for a second year player, which is when the players make their biggest jump. I think you're looking at 200, 240, 250 rush attempts, maybe like 1200 yard, 1200 rush yards, 60, 60 to I think he's going to have 60 to 70 receptions this year, 500 about you know 400, 500. Well, he had over 500 receiving yards last year. Imagine if he's if you add on to that, you could be looking at. 600 and 700. I mean, it's very much a Saquon Barkley-like season with over 10 touchdowns. You look at them. I mean, the, everything points to Miles Sanders being a good pick. Also, also add in the fact that the Eagles had one of the best offensive lines last year. I mean, they lost Jason Peter, and they lost their uh, guard, whose name escapes me right now. But Peter is uh, uh, moved over to the to the guard position to take over. So, he, you know, it, it, everything is looking good for Miles Sanders. You know, he's also a threat in the red zone. He had 26 rush attempts. I'm really predicting that he's going to be this year's Dalvin Cook, that guy who maybe sneaks into the second round, and you look at him and you're like, oh, this guy had first-round value and just, uh, you know, getting that full workload. I, it, so many arrows pointing up for Miles Sanders. You know, you look at Jill and Rieger, you know, he had – you know, he had great numbers at TCU uh, in a not very good offense. His quarterback was not, did not play very well. You know, he ended up with 43 receptions, 611 yards. He's just, he's a guy who they need someone to take the step forward because of all the injuries and uncertainty on their, on their wide receivers. Uh, he is getting work at all of the different wide receiver spots. So you look at him and you're like, 
you know, maybe there's a possibility for him. He's uh, he's a great talent, but are they going to feed him too much too early? And could it be a lost season as a result? So that is the concern with him. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, you know, he can still fly. He's age 34, but he can still fly. He missed most of the games last season. Played only three games last year. He had an... He had a game that was an idios mio in week one. He had eight receptions, 154 yards, two touchdowns. He's just, uh, you know, he's such a phenomenal player. The The problem is he misses time. And is he at the point in his career where he's going to be missing more time than he's actually playing? So uh, he's a guy that, that may be worth a, a flyer late in, the, late in the draft. Right now he's going to round 14 as wide receiver 58. Uh you know you hope for health with him because at that point considering the lack of other weapons on the outside he could just be someone who uh you know has a few bust out bust out games for you maybe like a will fuller type um one guy that i'm not counting on a lot this year uh, alshon jeffrey starting the year on the pup list he also had Liz frank surgery in december not you know the all the coach speak was that there were concerns about him and when the coaches are talking about that they're actually concerned about a player that means they know that he's more hurt than he really is so uh i I, i'm fading him maybe uh if he comes back i pick him up on waivers but i'm just i'm passing pasa pasa you know, and then we got also our Spaniard, uh, J.J. Ortega Whiteside, going into year two out of Stanford. You know, he's a second-round pick, so he's got the draft capital behind him. But, uh, you know, last season was pretty much a lost season for him. Only 10 catches, 169 yards, one touchdown. You know, he talked about the fact that he had um, several multiple leg, leg injuries last year, which limited him, uh, which, you know, it's hard enough to break into the NFL as a rookie anyway. So uh, he's apparently healthy right now, so... I think he might be worth a dart throw. Maybe keep an eye on him uh, on the waiver wire in the first couple of weeks of the season. If the targets are there, they do have a couple of, you know, fairly, they, they right out the bat, they got Washington, which uh, did not have a very good pass defense last year. So uh, if he has a blow up game the first game or just even a, a, a game with a lot of targets, he might be someone worth picking up on waivers at that point if he goes undrafted. Uh, definitely not going undrafted are the two tight ends here. Zach Ertz going in round four. He went. He got 135 targets last year. Finished with 88 receptions, 916 receiving yards, and six touchdowns. I'm looking at him. He's the primary. For my money, for, for me, me that all, he is the primary target of all the pass catchers in Philly. I think he, it's very it's going to be very reminiscent of what's happening in San Francisco with George Kittle. Uh, I, I look at him, he's, you know, there's all the debate. He's in that tier with Mark Andrews, uh, the, him or him. I mean, I don't think it's it's hard to go wrong. I think uh, Andrews is going earlier in the draft, so maybe, you know, a round earlier. It looks like he's going round three a lot. I would uh, I, I don't I wouldn't mind taking Ertz because of the fact that he is going to be the number one guy there. He had 20 red zone car targets last year. He's number two in the NFL. I mean, he had 156 targets in 2018. So you know Carson Wentz definitely loves throwing to him. So I look at him and I'm kind of like, okay, let's. Uh, I, he he's a guy to keep an eye on. I I you know if I don't get Kelsey or Kittle early on, 
uh, I would have to look at my team uh, whether I'd want to use a fourth round pick on Ertz or if I just want to wait on the on the position later on because another guy that that might be there is Dallas Goddard uh, who last year uh, in his second year got 87 targets himself so is he a guy who's going to get over 100 targets and see a jump in his pr production in year three in his uh, in, in in his uh, development uh, is he going to take targets away from him I don't think so I think he's uh, take away targets from Ertz. No, I think he's actually just going to increase his targets. Uh, some of the ones that maybe went to Jeffrey last year maybe end up going to Goddard. I think uh, I, I really think it's going to be Wentz throwing a lot to his tight ends this year. I think Goddard's going to get over 100 targets last year and end up being a really good value pick. Right now he's going for tight end 16. I think he. he you know, you look at some of the guys ahead of him, I could see him end up being a top 10, 12, top 12 tight end finish, uh, especially when you look at some of these some of, some of these games. I mean, and, and you look at later in the season, you look at the playoff weeks for, for this passing game. New Orleans, uh, they do have a tough, uh, uh, a tough defense overall, but they were tougher to run against than to pass against. And then you got Arizona and Dallas, who both, uh, you know, don't look like they're going to have exemplary pass defenses i mean arizona maybe was not going to be the uh, sieve against uh tight ends that they were last year but uh who knows if they're going to be uh, very good so uh I, i'm looking at both of these guys as uh really good options this year going to the washington football team uh hi mijo um tough year i mean ended up three and thirteen you know, and then you go. You're looking at this new year. They're going through a name change, uh, going away from the name that's had a lot of uh, a lot of question marks about it. We'll just kind of leave it at that. Um, there, it's and then the thing it's a, it's a rebuild. You know, you got Ron Rivera there as a new coach. You got Scott Turner as a new offensive coordinator. So. Uh, you look at these guys, there could be some hidden gems here. Uh, I think one of them could be Dwayne Haskins. He's going to be throwing a lot because their defense is not going to be very good. Uh, he may be throwing on the run because Pro Football Focus rates their offensive line at number 29 overall. But you 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 look at him and it's like the, he is a guy who's got that year to jump. You, you on our one of our earlier episodes uh you know it came out that that urban meyer his head coach at uh ohio state the ohio state university <laughs> uh that urban meyer called called uh, dwayne haskins one of the best prospects he'd ever seen and that for the first time he saw him throw he knew he had to have him so he had some good games that were encouraging at the end of the season. You know, he had, uh, you know, one game, I think it was week 16, where uh, he went for 19, uh, 19 completions and 28 attempts, 261 yards, two touchdowns. So, you know, he there were some whispers about him being com really fully committed to uh, working dur during the season. So uh, there, there were a lot of hype videos dropped during the uh uh, off season, showing him work and showing him dropping weight. You know, he was at played about 230 pounds last year. Talked about the fact that he was about 218. So, uh, you you look at him and you know, I think I think people are maybe overblowing some of the tough ones, or you know, chalking it up to to rookie rookie issues. Uh, you know, rookie growth. Uh, 
uh, growing pains. And, you know, I just still look back at uh, another first rounder, Jared Goff, who was just not good, didn't win a game. He was uh, threw more interceptions than uh, touchdowns. And then he threw uh, and then he was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL his second year in, in the league and uh, helped some people win fantasy championships. Is I'm not calling Dwayne Haskins to make that, but I uh, make that kind of a jump. No, but I think he is going to have some serviceable games. I think he's going to have some games where he blows up and and uh, you're just going to have to as a fantasy manager. I think he's someone to grab as a backup. Uh, I don't even know if he's a number two quarterback in two QB leagues, but uh, I would grab I would definitely grab grab him as my third quarterback in a in a super flex league so that I can uh, you know maybe you uh, maybe you hit pay dirt with him and, and you get lucky a little bit another guy that people are looking to get lucky uh, with in drafts is Antonio Gibson uh, he is just flying up the draft boards after Darius Geis was released uh, following his arrest uh, a few weeks back you know, people were just talking about Gibson as, uh, you know, the next the the next guy. But I think it's a little bit, it might be a little bit early. I mean, the, the hype is there. Ron Rivera and Scott Turner both, both compared him, Gibson, to Christian McCaffrey. And they were with McCaffrey the last three years. Um, but, to, you know, and then you look at the build. He's got a, a classic power running back build at six foot and 228 pounds. But you just look at the fact that he had 71 total touches last year, 33 rushes, 38 receptions. I mean, he was over 1,000 yards on those on those 71 touches uh, combined. He had 369 rushing yards and 735 receiving yards. But, I mean, you just look at him. I mean, uh, 12 total, t 12 touchdowns on just 71 touches. He is just dynamite. He is a guy who, you know, out of the backfield, uh, running, receiving, he is a tremendous threat. Is he more a gadget player early on? That's going to be the big question. Uh, I think he's definitely worth grabbing. I don't know if I would reach for him. He's in round 12 right now. Uh, a lot of a lot of what I'm hearing, he's uh, mock drafts. He's been gone by the 10th round. Uh, I've grabbed him on quite a few. Uh, I because he's a guy I want to have on my team just in case he's just in case maybe he grows into like that Alvin Kamara guy who you know doesn't get you 200 uh, rushing yards but he's going to get 80 you know 60 to 80 receptions and maybe gets 120 rushing attempts and is uh, you know just phenomenal out of the backfield I mean he he he's he's a guy who could take it to the house every time he gets there. So gets the ball. So uh, I'm I'm looking at him and I'm kind of like uh, I'm excited for the potential. I mean, uh, goodness knows, Adios Mio will definitely be uh, uh, Washington football team needs some help. Uh, and, and also here to get there to give them some help. Adrian Peterson is going to be sharing the backfield with Gibson. You know, he had almost 900 rush, rushing yards last year. Uh, honestly, I'm looking at him as much as I just talked up Gibson. I'm really looking at, at Peterson, at least in the first half of the season, to be that first and second down back. Uh, he had 211, 211 rushing attempts last year. Uh, so I think I think he's he's going to be that boring guy, who maybe you have on your bench, maybe you play him on a flex and hope that he you know he gets eighty to hundred yards uh, because they keep feeding him the rock. Uh, tough part is Washington's defense is probably not going to be good, so they're going to be throwing the ball a lot more. 
And I'll tell you, one guy they're going to be throwing the ball a lot to is Terry McLaurin. I mean, he had 14, in 14 games last year, he had 93 targets, 58 receptions, 919 yards, and seven touchdowns. I think those targets are going to jump up over 120, maybe uh, 130, maybe even 140. He is just a, a player who is, uh, who, who can just, in his very first game, he took a ball, I think it was 70 yards, uh, a bomb, and I remember, I still remember seeing the meme that he, he got the ball and he was the only guy in the picture. And I think that that you get that kind of talent, and in his second year, he's going to wide receiver 24. I think there's a, definitely a chance for him to way outplay that, maybe de- top 15, maybe even top 12, top 10, uh, if he gets the, the number of targets in, and uh, Haskins you know, has imp- uh, some improvements in his accuracy. I mean, this is a guy who got 15.8 yards per reception last year. And... The, the history of rookies who get 50-plus receptions and 900-plus yards is very good. So you look at him, you look at D.K. Metcalf, you look at A.J. Brown, all of them are qualify for that, the, uh, uh, those benchmarks. They, you're, that's why I'm looking at Terry McLaurin as being someone who's going to be uh, a player to watch this year. And I, I'm grabbing him wherever I can in mock drafts and on my teams. Uh, you know, lining up on uh, on the outside, on the other side of him is, has been Steven Sims. He's going for wide receiver 77. He had two big games, uh, three big games at the end of the season. He got uh, 29 total targets, 16 receptions, 160 yards, and four touchdowns. He uh, was an undrafted free agent. Uh, just uh, you know, kind of came out of nowhere as a rookie. He could be a good compliment. He, you know, if if McLaurin's getting the number one, uh, number one DB, Sims is definitely going to be a candidate to get get the get the other guy. And so, uh, right now he's going. He's basically going undrafted, going round twenty one. Uh, someone to keep an eye on early on with those, you know, to see what his uh, targets are like. I mean, early on, you got Philly, which was not they, – they got Darius Slay this year, but they were not good against the pass last year. Arizona was not good against the pass last year. Could these guys uh, have a couple games to flash early? That's very possible, very much possible. Uh, you know, one player who – another player who's uh, being largely undrafted, uh, a rookie to keep an eye on, is Antonio Gandy-Golden. You know, he got picked in the fourth round out of Liberty. Definitely not, uh, you know, one of the, you know, Power Five football conferences. Uh, but his coach, Hugh Freeze, uh, also who before that was at Ole Miss, uh, he coached DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, and Laquan Treadwell, who uh, is a first round draft pick. Hugh Freeze compared Gandy Golden to uh, those three guys, those three, uh, those three players. So. You gotta like the talent. Uh, that's something to keep, uh, someone to keep an, uh, an eye on for possibly, you know, doing well in the second half of the season as uh, he gets his uh, uh, legs under him a little bit more. Uh, tight ends, we're gonna keep an eye on that. There's uh, nobody, nobody on the Redskins is in the top 32, so uh, keep an eye on them and and you know keep an eye on the fact that their last uh, three games of the season. There might be some sneaky plays in here. Uh, San Francisco, they've got San Francisco in week 14. That's going to be a tough one. But then you get Seattle, which was not very good against the pass nor the run last year. And Carolina, which was is not looking like a good uh, uh, defense this year. So some players to keep an eye on there. Um, 
And that's going to be it for our, our NFC East preview. Uh, as we always say, eso es todo for our show. Uh, thanks again to Anchor.fm for being our hosting network and for making sure our independent podcast gets out into the familia community. Please subscribe and leave us a review at Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at FamiliaFFB as well as on our Familia FFB Facebook page. Gracias. And remember, todos somos familia. Y póngate la máscara.